Hallelujah. Okay, well, uh, I've been given 10 minutes. Let me just check. Okay, so half past, I'm going to be knocking off. Uh, and I've got to condense about three and a half hours teaching into 10 minutes. So uh, we'll see what we go. So I've, I've put up, well, I guess it's coming shortly, a series of slides that I just want to speak on, which I felt were the most pertinent ones uh, for the weekend. And interestingly, um, as we had the prayer meeting before we started, I felt the Lord just give me this impression that he was birthing something very new and very precious amongst you. And uh, just like in any birthing process, you know, the person giving the birth has to work at it, and the midwives have to work and help the person giving birth. And as I began to reflect on this little picture that the Lord gave me, I sensed that each one of us is both giving birth and the midwife in the sense that we are the church of Jesus Christ here in this place, that God has called us to birth this new vision, this new era that God prophetically declared to us over the weekend and before the weekend as well. And yet each one of us needs to look after one another. Each one of us needs to care for one another. Each one of us needs to be mindful of the fact that each one of us are moving into something. And for some of us, that might be more difficult than it is for other people. But to be mindful, to be like midwives that help this birthing process come to pass. Okay, there we go. So, having said that, use the sort of roundup, I've called it, for our weekend away. Celebrating yesterday and looking forward to a new era. So we started off uh, the talks with looking at what God had blessed SCF with. And I had a list of wonderful things that God had done amongst you over the past few years and up to the present day. Things like, you know, an amazing building that you, you're meeting in. People who love God. People who are passionate for Jesus. People who are prophetic. Leadership that's servant-hearted, accessible, meek, wise, equipped to lead people who are generous, people who love God, people who want to serve in so many different ways, and just a general sense that God is with you, and God has blessed you, and God has brought you to this amazing place. But of course, I've got this next slide here, which kind of illustrates, let me just make sure I press the right button, there we go, uh, that, that little slide I, I, I showed at the weekend away, I called it ascending from our pleasant plateau. And in a sense, we've come to a plateau, and, and that's called Preacher's Pulpit, by the way. Some of you may have seen that. It's in Norway. And uh, you can imagine preaching from there, can't you? <laughs> but you, these people who have sat on this Preacher's Pulpit have obviously climbed quite a large climb. It's taken them a lot of effort. It's taken a lot of time to get there. And rightly so, they want to enjoy the view. They want to get their sun mats out and just rejoice and relax and get their picnic baskets out and stay there. And that's great. And that's exactly right to do. But if you stay like that for the rest of the time, you know, you're not going to go very far, are you? Because that's a, a, a resting place from which to launch further again. And so the next little picture shows a couple of guys. There they are making the effort to go to the heights. And it's a sort of a bit of a picture, really, what I believe God is calling us to as a fellowship is to say, okay, we, we've come to a place and it's wonderful, but God's got something new for us. We're moving now into a new era, a new place that God wants us to be. And so here's a sort of a possible glimpse I put down of the new era. And again, we cover this in some detail. I'm not going to just go through a few bullet points today. A people who are more biblically streamlined, totally dependent on the Lord and one another, focusing 
on their one thing. And God is calling us, I believe, in this new step forward, this new birthing process to enter a new era. The fact that we're going to become even more biblically streamlined. We're already biblically streamlined, but even more so. Uh, Even more dependent on the Lord and one another. And focusing on the one thing. More streamlined, more focused. Another one, fresh fire. I love that phrase, yeah? A bit of, who likes, wants a bit more fresh fire? I certainly do. A bit of fresh fire and confidence to reach out and touch hearts with this transforming grace. That's what God is after for us, to pour his fire upon us, to so equip us that we want to go and share Jesus with people out of that passion and that fire. And not that sort of sense of, oh, I better get, oh, I got to get involved, or I better get involved. No, let's do it from that position, that heart of fresh fire. A people healed, secure, meek, and attractive, reversing the 2080 syndrome. Do you know what that is? 20% of the people do all the work and 80% just spectate. Let's turn it around so that 80% of the people are actively involved in, in receiving fresh fire to reach out, and 20% are coming to Christ. You know, it would be nice to see 20% of our population kept coming to Christ over the course of time. We'd soon be uh, really growing numerically as well. Becoming a place known for its extraordinary love, healing power, and presence. Do you know, it's amazing when you feel the presence of God, isn't it? Imagine that happening all the time, that we come amongst one another, and the presence is already there. The power is already there. The place is known for this extraordinary love. And that's already in place. I mean, Craig shared about um, the, the, the Lady Grace and how she felt so touched by that extraordinary love. Become a church for all people and a beacon of practical hope and love in action. So they are the sort of snapshots, the glimpses of what it's going to be like as we enter into this unknown pathway that takes us to this new era. And then we sort of counted the cost because before I get into that, we called the whole weekend breaking out to break through. Breaking out to break through. And so when we break out of the old, we then enter into the new. To break out of the old, some things have to die. And so this next slide talked about contrasting the fruit of a carnal versus a renewed mind. And I spent some time looking at what carnal-mindedness looks like. But for today, I've got five minutes left. Let's just have a ping through the renewed mind stuff, yeah? Warm, serving, having an open demeanor, yeah? You like meeting people like that, don't you? People who are warm who are servant-hearted, who are open demeanor, who smile and have eye contact with you and give you a hug and ask how you're doing. You love being with people like that. Let's all of us aspire to become like that in our renewed minds. And in fact, Stephen Wood talked about that. He felt he had a prophetic word linked to that scripture in Romans 12 about having our minds renewed. Emotionally balanced, not given to ups and downs and, and swings, but imbalanced emotionally so that, you know, we can be, uh, have weight placed upon us. You know, if we're emotionally fragile and weight is placed upon us, we kind of collapse, don't we? But God wants to bring such an inner healing that we're emotionally balanced. Endure with joy and tenacity despite the consequences. You know, joy is not like happiness. Happiness depends upon favorable happenings. But joy depends upon the presence of Jesus in our hearts. And having that joy in our hearts consistently, and that will come as we tap into him, we'll be like that, enduring with joy and tenacity. Having our thought life 
harness. These are ideals and, you know, we're all works in progress and none of us are ever going to be 100% on the right-hand side. We may dip into the left quite often. But our passion, our heart, our longing is to be so in love with Jesus, so connected to him, so filled with his fresh fire that our thought life is even harnessed for his glory. So we're not flicking about things in our minds all the time that trip us up and send us backwards. Biblically but meekly well informed. You know, some of us, and I, I speak very much to myself who's been a Christian for over 40 odd years now, 45 years, goodness me. And, and, and you know, I got, a, I got a master's degree in leadership and theology and all the rest of it. And I can easily get puffed up with my, oh, I understand this sort of thing, you know. I got biblical knowledge. And if ever I get into that place, it's like snakes and ladders, isn't it? You get to the top of the tree and then your pride kicks in and you go all the way back down to the bottom again. And so we cannot afford to get puffed up by our sense of I know it all, I know the Bible better than you and things like that. If that's our heart, it's carnally minded, even though it's about the Bible. We need a renewed mind that's biblically but meekly well informed. Revelation of spirit codependence. We depend upon Jesus. Jesus says I can do nothing apart from what the Father shows me. He was codependent on the Father. We need to be the same. Worshipping deeply and gratefully, not like a spectator, not too dignified to raise our hands or jump around, but we are into worshipping deeply and gratefully. And then we looked at the different forms of pride, that was another one, and we discern pride as being trusting my own opinion or those of another above God's word about me. So if I trust my own opinion, I might be like this. Arrogant, haughty, judging, full of anger, being puffed up. Or if I judge my own opinion about me, I might be fearful, having a fear of failure, feeling useless, rejected, abandoned, mediocre, timid, condemned. You will think, is that pride? It comes from the same root as pride, you see. It's depending on what I think rather than what God thinks. We've got to break out of that stuff. And then... I showed you this picture, which I felt the Lord gave, gave me as a picture a few months ago, actually. And I saw a picture of a torch, as you can see in this illustration here, of when the torch is at a wide angle, it illuminates a lot of area, but every area is a little bit dim because of the wide, is spread too far wide, as it were. When you focus in on a torch, the beam becomes streamlined and focused, and you see intensely an area that is what you're meant to be shining upon. And I felt the Lord is streamlining the church and bringing us into a greater alignment so that we are focusing on the one thing. And you remember with Martha and Mary, uh, Jesus sort of uh, just corrected uh, Martha for focusing on many things when Mary focused on the one thing. And I believe God is calling us as a fellowship to focus on the one thing. And that little, little illustration there, and the final one, there's the torch that's focusing on the one thing rather than the wide-angle thing. Okay, well, I've run out of time. I had one more slide, but never mind. That'll do for now. And I think you've got a snapshot of what I feel the Lord laid on our hearts and brought to us over the weekend. So, Ben, over to you. <clears throat>
wasn't me. There I am. Yes? What I love about Martin... Um, It was Sue that first said, we really ought to have a weekend away. Yeah, we thought, absolutely. Amen. And then slowly, as it started to, to uh, unfold, we knew it would be a significant time. It always is when we all come together. But we didn't quite realise how significant it would be until really a kind of a month or so before it started to happen. And... Um, Last year, we reconnected with Stephen Ward, and for those of you who don't know, he's one of the founder members of the church, and again, it's not time to share, but God really, really unfolded that, and, and even him reconnecting with us, and he's always had a prophetic edge, and we encouraged him to kind of really pray for us at, as a church and see what God was saying, and around October of last year, um, he wrote down this. This is him talking, first of all. Somewhere around three years into the life of the f- f- fellowships, this has been about 1974, the year I was born, the Lord brought a very strong and clear prophetic challenge from this account in Joshua that it was his time for us to cross the Jordan and to enter into the promised land. The call was clear that there was to be a radical dying to the old ways of the flesh, Jordan, the river of death, and the resurrection to God's fresh provisions for us in the Holy Spirit. We were to possess our possessions as with Joshua and the nation of Israel. Warfare would be involved, but that God would be with us, driving the enemy as we advanced. There was some discussion around this from time to time for several months but no definitive action was taken as a church in the end this stands out in my mind he's just showing his heart here this stands out in my mind to this day as a failure on our part and a cause and a cause possibly that we missed father's best even over 40 years after the promise had been given he Israel was now facing Jericho. Similarly I believe the promise still awaits its full activation for this fellowship. I submit this to be a very stirring and exciting prospect. And then he said this, I sense prophetically that as a fellowship you are facing not just a fresh season but a new era into God's purposes at this time in your spiritual journey. 
This, if true, presents you with a choice, either to carry on pursuing your current course, which has been good and fruitful, or face the challenge, yet exciting crossing of the Jordan into a full kingdom inheritance. Not surprisingly, that would fairly certainly create a necessity for some serious review and prayerful discussion about how, about what adjustments should be made, as the wisdom and the direction of the Holy Spirit were sought through some very intentional prayer times and possibly even fasting it was this line i sense prophetically that as a fellowship you are facing not just a fresh season but a new era to god's purposes this time in your spiritual journey wow and we received that, and we mentioned it a couple of times, but as we sought to, sought, um, to understand it for ourselves, we really didn't um, share it that deeply. But we've been praying as a leadership team for quite s- s- some, some, some time. And what we realised was that God has been journeying SCF for 47 years now. He brought people together to go deeper to go deeper in, in a relationship with Jesus. And he's done many incredible things. And as Martin then started to share his heart about this, something that we need to um, break off to break through. Break out, my mind. Break out to break through. We started to see this theme again. Because we cannot carry baggage into something that's new. If anybody's moving house soon, I bet you'll do an almighty call. Do we really need this? Boy, will there be some interesting discussions between those who are in the household. And actually, as we break through into something new, there's got to be a clearing out. And we started to pray as a leadership team. As elders in the wider leadership team, we asked ourselves, is this to down tools? Is this laying everything down over the past 47 years and starting again? Is God asking us to pause the 45 plus years that have gone? Lay down the vision that God gave us in 2015 and start over again. We talked and we shared and we prayed. We had to conclude with some nervousness and trepidation that, that if that was what God was asking of us, then that was what we must do. John 2, 5, whatever he says to you, go and do it. That's Mary talking to the guys at the wedding. Whatever Jesus says, whatever Jesus says, go and do it. And that has to be our position. That has to be our place. We have to have a willingness to say, if that's what you're saying, Lord, then okay. And as we continue to pray, however, we started to see this journey that God started In 1971, 1972, we reflected on how we got the hut. Some of you who have only been here a few years will wonder what on earth was that. It was affectionately known as the hut, just outside of Foster's car park. I'm now really talking as a Shirley lad. We had the bookshop, the tent events, the children's work, the youth work, the building, and so on and so on. And then in 2015, we really started to seek God, and he gave us this vision here that I won't go through now but we have seen fruit in every area that God had laid on our hearts we then went back to Stephen's word and we saw how it started in 1974 and that God was continuing on God was continuing on this wasn't a right turn 
This wasn't a, here we, we, we have been travelling in this direction, let's say north. God now was not asking us to, right, never eat. He was not asking us to turn east. This was not something like, or even south, or even west, or anywhere there. It wasn't that we were just down towards. This was a continuation of what God had been doing in the fellowship for 47 years. I love Stephen because, um, I mean, he may have been forgiven for bringing an acetate um, as opposed to a PowerPoint, but he didn't even have that. He held a board up. <laughs> he held a board up. So if you don't know, he must be late 80s. I'm trying to give people a picture. He's an elderly man. Yeah, although he's got a lot of fire. But he held a board up, and it was a grub on one side. And the grub was a bit an unfortunate word. And I said, it's not a grub, it's a caterpillar. And he, he, he then talked about this change that actually the caterpillar goes through. Let me... That the caterpillar go, goes through to then become a wonderful butterfly, a metamorphosis. And actually, if you look at the definition, it talks about something that is actually juvenile and young, moving into adulthood. And God spoke to me and just reconfirmed, do you know, the caterpillar doesn't die. The, caterp- the caterpillar's still there. There's just been, it's, it just really confirmed that this is a continuation of what God has been doing for 47 years. Years And they said, well, how do I feel about it being a juvenile? And then God reminded me that Timothy, um, who should not be despised in his youth, was in his 40s. I've decided he was 44. (laughs) So if we've been going 47 years, we're still young. And maybe now this is not to, 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 to kind of belittle anything that's going past. Please don't pick up that at all. But trying to understand that this is an ongoing transformation of what God started many years ago. As God started to re- 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 reveal then what this new era would look like, we could see not a sharp left or right hand turn, but a continuing along the same line. The first night, that's the bit about the, the, the butterfly. So what did God say? This is what Stephen shared. I sense prophetically that as a fellowship you are facing not just a new season, but a new era. Look up the word era, and it basically means a long time. Seasons will come and will go, and they'll go round and round and round again. We're in summer now. Yeah, but an era is just something new, and really in some ways never to be visited again, or revisited again. So this will be a new season for us as a church. Still SCF, still the body, still the family, but somehow it's a butterfly and, a, and not a caterpillar. <laughs> for those of you who are here before me, is he calling me a caterpillar? No, I'm not. And again, very quickly, as Martin started to share what was on his heart for the weekend, it's like, gosh, Lord... We need to be breaking through in, in, into what? It just became very clear that we needed to be talking and sharing with you guys, what are we breaking into? And over the course of a week, we were able to, as a leadership team, just simply go, it's this, isn't it? It's what I'm going to go through now. Because it had actually been brewing and stirring in our hearts for many, many months. And it took Martin the way that he was traversing us through to say, so where are you taking us? And that was why, for some of you, that's why we, we went out a couple of times before and saying, look, if you can come, come. 
because we really feel this is going to be a significant time. But you would be forgiven in saying, well, I might have missed that. Because it really did. God, God is a God of the suddenness. You see, in 2015, we went out to God and said, Lord, we feel that you've got something new to say to us. And we listened to him and he did. But we went to God. This time we had a sense of God coming to us and saying, right, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going to happen next. So the first part of this new era is a wholehearted adherence to the Bible as God's word. A wholehearted adherence to the Bible as God's word. We believe it is God's inspired word, God's breathed word. And we believe in the Bible here. Tim and I went down to London a couple of weeks ago and on the way back up we got chatting to a lady who, who was a Muslim and she described what she did in her faith and again it was a very liberal very relaxed faith that even for them kept the Quran really somewhere else and it seems that now lots and lots of areas religion has been challenged and it was interesting that even there actually let's see what we can do away with we believe in the Bible we, we believe look what Hebrews said says this is the Amplified, for the word of God is living and active, full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the word of God does. Now, we need to be careful. Jesus is the word. But actually, Jesus did not replace the written word. Four times in the Bible, when the word, word is used, it refers to Jesus. But Jesus himself talked, talked about scripture. Jesus himself talked about the importance of it. Some will now say, well, we don't need the Bible. We just have Jesus. He is the word. And actually, if you look in and you study this, it's saying that the Bible, God's word, is so sharp, it can seek out anything in your spirit or in your soul or in your flesh that is not meant to be there and remove it. It is that sharp. It is sharper than the sharpest surgeon's knife. That They cannot invent anything as sharp as the word of God that can get in. Amen. Amen. There is nothing that can't be made new and renewed in him through God's word. We are Bible-believing Christians here. We seek to read it, understand it, interpret it, and live it out. We are careful when an interpretation of Scripture seems to reinterpret what has been known to be true for centuries and speaks into the world's moral drivers. We are careful. We are careful. Look at this scripture, it doesn't come up so well on the screen. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I am very suspicious and very careful when we're shaping ourselves to the world standards because the Bible tells me it's passing away. This world order is not forever. God's kingdom is eternal. There will be times when 
when doing this, going through the Bible, standing on God's word is uncomfortable. And all of us will have to say, well, if the Bible teaches this, okay, now how should I live? If the Bible teaches this, then okay, now how should I live? You see, when we focus and have a focus on the Bible, when we actually use it to grow us, we actually develop strong and deep disciples of Jesus. And many people have talked about this. I know if you're on the weekend away, you've heard it. You can hear it again, get inspired again. It's a new vision. It's interesting because that isn't what we set out to do. And what you'll start to see is the vision in 2015 intertwined into what God has been doing here. But when we wholeheartedly adhere to the Bible as God's word, it's one of the essence that helps us develop deep and strong followers of Jesus Christ. Does it say... It's disciples of Jesus. It's disciples of Jesus Christ. And out of that, out of becoming more like him, out of following him, we want to have a personal engagement in evangelism. This will instantly make some people feel uncomfortable. This is not me. That is not what I've been called to do. God has made me an encourager of Christians. Poppycock. He may have, but not at the expense of witnessing and sharing all that God has done in you and through you. I don't have the time, poppycock. What, another thing to now start doing? We can see these things through those lenses. We can add it on. Greek thinkers, Hebrew thinkers, I've not got time to go there. Or we can actually holistically live as disciples of Jesus. And we are a living witness to God. It is all our responsibility to evangelise to those that don't know him. Are we ambassadors for Christ? We are, aren't we? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's Paul speaking of the apostles, but it transfers to us. We're ambassadors. We love that. Then actually part of our role as ambassadors is to implore people, be reconciled to God. Why don't use those words? Huh? Be reconciled to God. Isaiah 6, 8. I also heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? We've got to get out there. We've got to be sent this morning from out of the confines and comfortableness, not of this physical building, but of this metaphoric building, and be sent. And there has to be a willingness to live out the rest of this scripture. Here I am. Send me. Who will go and speak on my behalf? Who will be my ambassador? Who will talk of the good news? Here I am. Send me. Send me. Send me. Romans 10, 14. Now, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Ah, that's preaching, Ben. And you just have a look up here at the Greek. And yes, you're right, it's a proclamation of God's word. But then it's quite often as you get into the Greek and it starts to unpack wider and wider, there was this. To publish, proclaim openly something which has been done. 
You have a testimony. You have a story of God's goodness to publish, proclaim something which has been done. Can I tell you about what Jesus has done in my life? You evangelize, witness, and we share in our own way. You know what? God, God, God is bigger. Because all of a sudden we're thinking, I can't go out there with, with a clipboard. In the, in the uh, late 80s, I would be in Mel Square with a clipboard. Can I ask you some questions? Yeah. And actually people would stop. They wouldn't stop now. For some, they've got such a gift in just causing people to have this smile on their face and they have a warmness. And yes, I will, I will answer your questions. But that's not like it for all. Do you know, God, God is bigger than actually us. And he will use you as a willing heart. And for some, for some, he'll heal the sick. It's about healing the sick and raising the dead. Luke chapters 9 and 10. For others, it's about opening God's word. For others, they have a gift and a skill and a talent of just opening God's word in such a way that people can understand. Read Acts 2 and 3,000 got born again. Look here at reaching out to the poor. Reaching out to the poor actually won a right for them to share the goodness of God in Luke 14. And it will simply be about being available when God calls. Look at Acts 8. Quite often, if we have the right lens, we can see, gosh, Lord, here's an opportunity for me to speak. Here's an opportunity for me to witness. It's for us all. It makes me really uncomfortable. What happens when we have a personal engagement in evangelism is people will know who you you are. Let's start about us. The vision talks of SCF for the whole church. But people know that you're a follower of Jesus. People will know that you go to church. People will know and come to us for help. Because they see Christ within you transformed lives. What else then? As people will know SCF and come to us for help, there has to be a radical action towards those less fortunate. A radical action towards those less fortunate. Look at Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever cares for the poor lends to the Lord who will pay back the sum in full. God's called us to care for those less fortunate, to reach out to them. Look at Galatians 2.10, they desire only. This was then Paul writing to the Galatians about what James and the church back in Jerusalem had said they could do. They desire only that we should remember the poor. Right then, remember the poor. Remember those less fortunate. This is Paul writing, the very thing which I am also eager that we do. God's word encourages us and tells us to reach out to the poor. We've seen what we're doing in the the centre. We've seen what we're doing in the community lunch. 60 plus people fed every week. We're having people come in now, a cluster that is growing, who have real needs. We're linking up with SIAS, who oversee the homelessness in Solia Hall. Or maybe we'll run... um, a surgery here where people can come in, have a meal, be fed and actually talk about their situation and be set free. But it's for all of us to reach out to those less fortunate. Do you know what I found in Job and you will have heard me preach this, but we'll, we'll do it again. This is Job reflecting. He's lost as to what on earth is going on and he's reflecting back to the good old times. But look what he says. 
Job 29, when I went out to the gate by the city, when I took my seat in the open square, the young men saw me and hid, and the aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and put their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, then it blessed me. And when the eye saw, then it approved me. Why? Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. The blessing of the perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor. Do you know that word delivered means lifted up out of? He didn't only provide them with a meal. He didn't only give them a cup of water. We would say now in the name of Jesus. But he lifted them up out of their place of poverty, their place of real need. Back in the first century, there would be an epidemic that would fly through villages and all the pagans would flee and the Christians would stay behind and give care and nurture and risk their lives. And who knows, quite often if you're fed and kept warm and hydrated, you become well. People started to ask, why did you stay? Why did you stay and look after me? Let me tell you about a man who transformed my life and you see when we have a heart's desire to reach out to the poor people see Christ in us transforming lives people see Christ in us transforming lives amen whose whose life has been transformed whose life has been impacted do you know why that isn't to stay in here Part of it is to go out and say, let me tell you about a man who told me everything I've ever done. Let me tell you about a man who who changed my life around. Let me tell you. And there's got to be a radical reaching out because everybody is reaching out to their poor. It's no longer a unique selling point. Craig will say, don't go there. Man, we've just got to go over above. And do you know what? When we do that, people will say, I'm not sure about what they believe. But have you seen the way they care? Maybe there's something in this. But it's got to be radical. Anything less than we're just playing at it. Anything less than we're just one of the many. Radical in Jesus. Cause people to see Christ in us transforming lives. And do you know what? When that happens, we want to see. We want to create a church that the unchurched want to attend. There is a difference in seeking to attract the unchurch. This, is, this causes you to ask, so what do they want? What do we need to do? This is, a never, this is never a good place to start. People often compromise so they can be attracted to the church. They compromise this to somehow get this. Not here. Not here. The question has to be, how do we look more like Christ? Because Christ created an atmosphere where people wanted to be. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? He created, Jesus created an environment where they wanted to be. 
And he did it without compromising what Father was telling him. Amen? Jesus, Jesus' love attracted those who were shunned. Imagine the early church who met for a season every night to tell stories and be taught about Jesus. People would come just to hear. It didn't make them Christians and no one suggested it did. This little band of Christians would help people. Others may have helped them too. They would come and say, can I come and and listen to what's going on? And they would sit in their midst of what perhaps we would now call church and they would know they're not a follower of Jesus. Somehow now with the way we do church, if you come here every week, you either have to be a Christian or on the way of becoming a, a Christian. And if you help out, then people might get confused. Are you a Christian or are you not? The, 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 the early church lived in such a way where people came in and out. Can I come and listen? Again, that r- radical reaching to those less fortunate. I, I don't know what it is about you, but can I come and hear more about you? How comfortable are we going to be when the unchurched come in and start to do their thing? How comfortable will we be when it rocks our little world? How comfortable will it be when we need to think about how we change and how we adapt for people who are coming in and walking alongside us? How uncomfortable will it be? And are we willing to go from a caterpillar to that metamorphosis change into a butterfly? It's the same journey, it's the same road. We said, is God asking us to throw the baby out with the bath water here? No, but he is about to actually jettison us forward as we break out of the pupa. I obviously did my research this morning and come into something new. Acts 5, 11 to 4, just look at this. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but people esteemed them highly. Then look at this next verse. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Yet none of the rest dared join them, and yet many believers were added. Didn't, not compromising, just going to sit and be close to God's word, working it out, loving people, following Jesus. We're not going to compromise to get people in. We're not going to seek to be seeker-friendly to get people in because the Bible tells me stay true to God's word and people will want to step back but won't help, but can't help be drawn near. And, and my challenge is that actually I don't hold on to anything. Anything too hard and too close. I'll come on to that in a second. Because actually, if you create a church that the unchurched want, want to attend, SCF has a voice to share the gospel of Jesus through wholeheartedly adhering to the Bible and God's word. And the circle goes on again and again and again but we have a decision and a choice and I went through that much more shorter in a condensed way at the weekend away and then Martin picked it up and continued it on because there has to be a decision and 
a, a, a decision and a willingness. We had to be willing as a leadership team that if God is speaking, if God is saying, then we need to let it go. So let me land that in something real. I love preaching. I love getting into God's word and seeing it opened. I love the flow of the spirit. I feel God's pleasure in me and through me and flow through me when I preach his God's word. And I love it. And then I look at these faces and they're all smiling. And I love it. But I can't start, Lord, you just can't touch that. Because that's something I value and I love and, and you would never want to change that. And I could argue and say I don't believe he would, but I've got to have the willingness to open my hand and let him take it. And maybe, actually, he might just take it from me because for me it's become a foreign God. It's become part of my identity and not Christ. I may run a group that I get such satisfaction at that I love the conversation and the talk. Come on in, children. I do go on. And I run my group and I get such pleasure and I see the conversation people open up and we're able to pray with people and meet needs and it's wonderful and it's precious, but I've got to have an open hand. Praise the Lord that as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. This church, my group, my thing is in your hand. And there was an encouragement as I just invite the band to come back on the stage and please be conscious of time. You can come up now, band, if you would. And again, on the Sunday morning, Martin got everybody to stand. And actually, we just very quietly, and as some people weren't at the weekend away, it just said, actually, for some of you, you may need to think, and you may need to reflect on what God has said this morning. All the talks for the weekend away, and all the slides are on the internet. We have this flyer done of the wheel there and I'll stand at the back and if you didn't have one or if you did have one and you've screwed it up um, then you can take another one from me but Martin got us all all to stand and just actually make a decision in our own hearts with our seats by placing our hand on our chests and you may think I've already did that last week well we just do it again and we confirm and if you weren't there there's got to be a trust in God a trust in your leaders, yes, that we will guide and lead you as a body and as a congregation through what God is saying. We will pray together as a church. We will seek collectively God's heart into these four key areas and we will grow together. But there has to be a a willingness because whatever he says, we must do. So if I ask you to stand, the band will lead us in a song. And just during the song, if you're with us as you, you, you were, it's just very privately. You put your hand on over your heart. It's private. No one will be looking around and we'll sing this song and then I will hand back over to Craig. Thank you.